Hi, my name is Roy Collin and welcome to the show. I've also got five podcasts, The Awakening Podcast, Exposing Fraud and Corruption, but with Solutions, the Crypto Podcast, talking about all things blockchain, NFTs, crypto, the Meditation Podcast, talking about all different types of meditation, but there's also meditations there from one minute to two hours. And the other one's the Learn Polish Podcast, so if you're interested in learning Polish, you can do that. And the other one is speaking with Roy Collin, and I just have guests from around the world talking about either public speaking or also about their book or just general life in general. And you find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. I'm also a podcasting coach. And you see the QR code there, and it's also on my link as well. And if you're interested in actually going on some podcast shows, I'm helping people doing that. Or if you're interested in sponsorship, you can contact me. And I'd like to thank my sponsor, DanielPacker.com. He helps people with anxiety, stress, and addictions. He's got a 90% success rate, and you only pay if you're successful. So be sure to check him out, DanielPacker.com. I hope you enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. My guest today, Cyril Entrepreneur. He spent $100 million on ads while growing DC, DTC brands. He's grew a LinkedIn from zero to 43,000. And he's got a newsletter that's at 100,000. So you're going to learn a lot from it. Please welcome Nigel Thomas. Thank you so much for having me to the show today, Roy. And before we get started, I just want to say this. I know how hard it is to put podcasts out consistently and how much work goes behind the scenes that whoever's listening to this won't know about. So all I just want to say before we get started is thank you. Thank you for putting in all this time and effort. I'm, you know, I have massive respect for you is what I'm trying to say. And you're doing a great thing for the community. Thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. So I suppose, I, I suppose let's start off earlier. You got bullied in school. Let's kind of yeah. learn your journey. Yeah, for sure. So back in school, I don't know what it's like these days. I'm 32, but we used to play sports together and we had to shower all the guys together in the same place. And I had really bad eczema, a skin condition. And I still remember standing there fully naked in the showers with wounds and scars all over my body as the other kids laughed at me. They told me how ugly I was. They told me I'd never amount to anything in life. And because of the dryness in my skin, they used to call me Crusted the Clown. I've never felt so humiliated or vulnerable in my entire life, Roy. But deep down, I knew a fire raged within and I had greatness inside of me. And it was only 15 years on, at 26 years old, when I was in the corporate world, that I took a chance on myself when I was walking home from the nine to five one day and I said, fuck it, I'm done with the life of mediocrity. I'm going to take a bet on myself. I'm going to quit my stable job. I'm going to risk it all. I've got some freelancing clients on a platform called Upwork and I'm just going to start hustling. And in that moment, for the first time in my life, I took a bet on myself. And I felt goddamn alive. And I mean, like, if we go back to the bullying, like, because there was loads of bullying when, when I was in school as well. The teachers know about it. They do nothing. And it's it's sad that it could be nipped in the bud immediately. Yeah, it's true. And what you got to realize is those bullies, they're the most insecure people in the world. And what they're actually doing 
is they're projecting their insecurities onto you. And this doesn't just happen at school. It happens at everywhere in life. When you see people complaining about things and you see trolls online, you know, maybe you put this podcast out and you have some comments of people who don't like what you're talking about. It's interesting when you see it from the perspective of they're sharing all of their insecurities because it's actually a mirror and they're revealing all of their cards, which is quite interesting. And all they're doing is they're projecting their insecurities onto you. And there's this great quote, quote, if you don't know it, from Teddy Roosevelt, which is the man in the arena. And it was in, I think he did a talk in, I think it was 1914. And I couldn't, I, it's never been more relevant, Roy, than it has been today. And essentially what it talks about is, in life, it's not the critic who counts. It's the man or woman who's actually in the arena, in the arena, with the blood, the sweat and the tears, pursuing something great in life. And even if they fail, they fail whilst daring greatly, knowing that they will never rest with those cold or timid souls who neither know the taste of victory nor defeat. So it's not about the people who are trying, they're going after their goals in life. And the people, it is about those people rather. It's not about the people who sit on their couch and point out and criticize because someone's taken a chance on themselves. And I think if more people read that quote, the man in the arena, and they took it back and look at themselves in their life, they will go a long way. And for bullying, this is especially impactful because it shows that those people are insecure. And really, if they had an honest conversation with themselves, they'd understand they've got to do a lot of work on themselves. And bullying someone else is not a solution to that answer. Absolutely. And like with the social media, because obviously when you built, you know, like build a company, built being an entrepreneur, we're attacked. I mean, if, if I have six podcasts and like, unless it's really negative, like especially the Polish ones, some people say terrible things. I just remove it. I know or you report the person, but if it's okay, you kind of, because it helps with the algorithms. But yeah. I know there's a lot of podcasters and I think it's probably the same in business. They've thrown in the towel because they can't handle that. They basically, instead of listening to the 95% of people that are saying, mm. love what you do, you're helping me. They listen to the 5% or even less. Sometimes it could be like 0.1%, but that's what they'll go home with. And they'll start dreaming about that and thinking about that. And I'm just curious with your journey, like, like how you navigate that. I'd rather have haters than not stand up for what I believe in. And the fact that I went through that bullying and all that excruciating pain has toughened my skin. I've realized now looking back, it was meant to be. I was meant to go through all of that. So I had the perseverance to dig down when the haters come and the people that I am inspiring through my message because content works like a filter. You attract the people towards you that believe and share your values and you filter out the people who don't. And if you actually believe that every single human being is going to resonate with your message, you're completely deluded because there's a lot of broken people in this world and you can't fix everyone. A lot of people who are bullying others, they've got to fix it internally themselves. But if you don't do anything, you're not getting the message through to the people who do resonate with you and who need to hear that message. In the last three, three months ago, when I was CEO of Alpha Inbound and we 
you know, we got an agency from 5K a month to 140K a month. Everything from the outside looked great. But internally, I lost the person that believed in me most, Roy. And I was thinking about taking my own life. And in that moment, that dark moment, I said to myself, if I'm not going to continue for me, I'm going to continue for everyone else who deserves a second chance in life. And that's why I've started this new business called David to Goliath. Yes, it's a newsletter. We're building 100,000 people to get on this newsletter in this community in 2024, which is a massive goal. But each one of those 100,000 people represents an individual that wants to conquer their self-doubt and go after their dreams. And I have those demons in my mind, that victim mentality that tells me to stay in bed in the morning, that tells me that I'm not good enough to get on podcasts and speak to great individuals like yourself. And the same victim that nearly took my own life. But now I know I get up, Roy, and I get on these podcasts because there's people out there that need to hear this message. And regardless of all the people who hate on me, the people who tell me that whatever I'm talking about doesn't make sense, I'm not doing it for those people. And like I said, I'd rather have haters than not stand up for what I believe in because I know there's some people and I've already seen it from the few newsletters we've sent out that are going through the struggle that need to hear this message. And I know that I can literally save human lives by getting on these podcasts and speaking about what I believe in. Excellent, excellent. And I mean, I just know from the, the power of newsletters as well, because like one of my kind of first main businesses in Poland was uh, real estate. And, you know, I built built a kind of large uh, database from the people that subscribed to my newsletter. And there was times that like even two years later, somebody would buy a property. They go, I've been watching your, you know, because I'd be writing about what's going on and everything. And especially with the media at the moment, I mean, we know the likes of CNN, BBC, RT in Ireland, they're all corrupt and they're, you know, and like the ways of getting the proper message now is one is podcast, two is blogging and newsletter is a great way as well that you're getting the message out and you're reaching the people. And just like, I suppose you've kind of, with your, with your experience, you've kind of realized how important a newsletter can be. Yeah, 100%. And I think you just made a really good point. Most people will never respond to you. Most people will never engage in your content, but that doesn't mean they're not listening. I built an audience of 43,000 people on LinkedIn. Now, I can't tell you the amount of times where I've gotten a call with someone. We're talking about big people in business, right? That have built $100 million companies that have gotten a call with me and said, Nigel, I've been reading your content for six months and I absolutely love it. And they're drawn to me on a very deep level, but... If I was looking to see if those people are engaging to keep me going, I would have never kept going in the first place because about, I think the statistics like 90% of people are never going to engage in your content, but you never know who's listening. It could be that one person who has a thousand of your ideal clients that is willing to open the door up for you because you talked about you know, the fact you were going to commit suicide and they might have been having these experiences themselves. And that means you resonate with them on such a deep level that they're willing to open the door for you and give you all these opportunity. But at the start, it's going to take a time to build that trust. And every single time you put out content, you're turning that wheel, you're showing up, you're showing that you're not just a one hit wonder. 
and that you're coming back and you're there in it for the long term because you have purpose and you believe in what you're saying. And over time, as you build this trust up, lots of people will start to reach back out to you. And the best analogy I can give, Roy, it's like a boomerang. At the start, you you need to push that boomerang out there and no one's going to care about you. You know, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. But in time, if you keep going, you keep doing the reps, you keep doing the inputs, you keep putting the content out there, that boomerang will come back to you in ways that you never imagined. And I've had this experience myself, and I'm sure you have, Roy, too. And I think it's a great lesson that you need to keep working in the dark when no one is looking. And that ultimately is what brings greatness into the light. Absolutely. And I remember with like the first uh, podcast, which is this one, the speaking podcast, you know, there was times you get all the different hearts and comments or whatever, but then it kind of plateaued and but it was the numbers were still doing very well. And it was when I went to an event, it was a Mind Valley event. And the amount of people that came up to me and they just said, I love your, I listened to all your episodes and everything. And it was like, I never even saw a comment from them. And there's times people would say, oh, you've helped me so much. And with the different things I'm doing, sometimes people would just reach out. You know, like yeah. one time a woman, she says, look, I'm I'm living on my own with my three children or whatever. And she's not looking friendly. She's just kind of writing to you to thank you. And so... Yeah. I never kind of look for validation. And unfortunately, some people, they have to have that. They're throwing mm. the towel because they think there's nobody listening. But like even what I kind of realized with the YouTube thing is I, I listen to a lot of different YouTubes. I listen to a lot of podcasts and everything. And it was when my son was watching on the TV YouTube of what he was liking and he was giving thumbs up and everything because the guy was saying, give me a thumbs up. And I saw my numbers started increasing the subscribers. And I realized, and then I thought, I'm not actually liking any of the stuff, even though I'm liking yeah. it. So then I consciously, mm-hmm. if I'm looking at something or I see another podcast or I see somebody with, the, you know, they've launched their book, I make it my intention to do it. But I know that the majority of people don't do that. Yeah. And I think that's also a call to action that anyone who's listening to this podcast, reach out to Roy and tell him what you like about this podcast and give him some feedback because then he's going to be able to create better content, which is more suited to you. Roy's there grinding away in the dark, you know, doing six podcasts and it's a lot of hard work. And I think it goes such a long way, even just to show a message. If you're not going to buy his product or service, that's fine. And the lights have just gone off. So just give me you were talking about the dark. That's what I was saying. Yeah, 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 yeah we, we couldn't that. afford the electricity bill and both of us are working yeah. in the dark. Like... <laughs> Very good. So with uh, the the LinkedIn, I mean, to go from zero to 43, to, like I know what it's like to build something. That's a lot, yeah. in, especially in LinkedIn. Like, yeah, is there, is, there's a lot of business people listen to this, there's coaches and everything, and they yeah. know that the value of that. Have you tips that you can give people how to grow their LinkedIn? Yeah, so you're talking about networking events, right? And when you go to a networking event, think about it. You don't walk up to someone and you don't go, hey, I've got this great business. We've helped all these people. You're my ideal client. Let's shake hands, done a deal. That's not how it works. That's not how humans work. You walk up to someone, you ask them where they live, you hear some of their stories, you connect with them on a deep level, you share some of your stories, you build some camaraderie, you have a laugh, and then you talk about business, right? But when people go online, 
they don't seem to transcend that. They don't seem to take that offline personality online. But humans don't change. Humans are still the same. So I think when you're trying to build content, what separated me is I started sharing my personality online. I started sharing not only the stories and how we're helping businesses, I started sharing about my heartbreak. I started sharing about how I'm finding it really tough. And people connected with me on that on such a deep level that I built trust with people. And then they were willing to talk to me and jump on calls with me and talk about business. And I think for a lot of B2B companies, especially the content they put out there, it's so boring and bland. And there's no like, sure, someone could see your tips, but they could see that from anyone. It's just good tips. They don't associate it with you. But if you, for example, you had a moment like me when you were thinking about committing suicide and you talked about that, now they see all of your other content, including all the business stuff you talk about and tips and advice through a completely different lens. Because if they went through that experience as a human themselves, they connect with you on such a deep level. And now it's all about your content and you as a person and so many more people be willing to do business with you. And so many more people remember you. And then what happens is you get word of mouth marketing. So if you see that piece of content, you've got a great story. Then what happens is they at the dinner table, when they're next having a conversation with their family or the business friends, oh, did you hear about that guy, Nigel Thomas? He's thinking about committing suicide. Now he's documented his comeback in public. And now they tell five of their friends because the story is so powerful and they all resonate with it. They tell five of their friends and then they tell five of their friends. And now all of a sudden you've built a movement and a tribe. And this is how word of mouth marketing works. And I don't think people realize the impact of that. But to get that word of mouth marketing, you need to break through the noise by connecting on such a deep level. And you do that just like you do it offline. You share stories about yourself and you share your whole personality. And then in time, you'll filter those people, kind of bringing back everything we've said here, coming full circle. You'll filter those people towards you, share, and have had those same experiences as a human. And they will be willing not only to open doors with you, they will ride with you until the end. Totally agree with you because I mean, from day one, I always kind of I've never separated them. It's always me, Roy, and everything I'm doing. But a lot of times, people they try to have keep one from the other, and you never get to know the person, and they they don't actually realize that at the end of the day, you're dealing with the individual, and the individual wants to connect. And how do you connect with somebody? Mm-hmm. Is by being open and letting them know who you are. Exactly. Whether it's Pete, whether it's direct to consumer or it's business to business. It's all people to people at the end of the day. And if you know how to connect with other humans, regardless of what platform you build on, my platform of choice has been LinkedIn. It doesn't matter though. Humans are all the same. So you can just take these philosophies and principles and sure there's tactics and stuff that go into it. But the foundation is, is bring your personality online, just like you already do offline and build a tribe of people that deeply resonate with you, but realize that that boomerang analogy, it's going to take so much time and force at the start. And that's where you need to keep building in the dark. And ultimately that boomerang will swing back. And with the word of mouth marketing, you'll suddenly have a big explosion. So within the first year of LinkedIn, I was posting every single day, getting no impressions whatsoever. And I built up an audience of about 5,000 followers. 
In the second year, I went from five to 41,000. But it was only possible because I did the work in the first year, if that makes sense. And it was only because I built that trust up and then people started spreading the words. And that will just keep compounding because people think compound interest only applies to money. They're wrong. It literally applies to everything in life, especially when you're building content. So you just need to keep working, keep being consistent, keep building people's trust, keep sharing your personality. And I promise you, if you lean into that with your whole heart, people will resonate and people will follow you. Then all of a sudden, people refer to you as a thought leader. Just regarding kind of outsourcing some of the social media because yeah it's something i i don't i mean i i can do shorts somebody posting shorts create the shorts and stuff like that but i know that sometimes because your knowledge level when someone is writing the person if you hire somebody they can't really understand what the message is and yeah. you could be losing big opportunities so i'm just kind of curious on your thoughts on that and mm. depending on the level of the, the size of the business as well yeah, so I think a lot of people say they they like to pass on the blame and complain, right? I hired this person and they were shit and I'm not going to use them again. They just didn't understand who I was. But in reality, when we look at what actually happened, most of the time it was because they had terrible processes and they weren't communicating with that contractor or person they were outsourcing it. If you're going to hire someone overseas, sure, you're going to be able to do that cheaper. But also, you've got a responsibility to have a process documented out in such minute steps that even a child could understand that they can go and implement that. Because those people aren't going to have the same kind of educational training from their background because they come from a country where the resources you know, aren't as abundant. So you've got to take the responsibility. I think at the start, you need to do it yourself, right? Because then you understand how to delegate that process. But if you break things down into their constituent parts, into minute details to the point where you could literally explain anything to a child, like there's a lot of guys, you know, the typical white guys in the boardroom thing, and they talk about all this complex jargon. It's BS, man. Because really, if you can't explain your concepts of business to a child what it actually means is put your ego to one side you don't actually understand it that well so when you're building your processes and at the start and you're doing everything the idea is is to document everything in, in very minute details into what we call sops standard operating procedures and record videos using software like loom and document things out in very small steps and then you can delegate it properly to another team. And instead of blaming other people and saying those people aren't right, look internally, look inward, and see that it's your responsibility to make sure that those people understand it because you've broken things down to such simple steps. Uh, fantastic advice, because most of the times what people do is they just blame the other person and they never told them what to do. And they just, you know, like I expected this and you didn't deliver and I expected that. And unfortunately, that's the way it works. So what you've just said is what people should be doing. So I know that you've you, you, you've uh, uh, something like 100 million uh, ad spend. So yeah. I'm curious on that because like I know that I've done different ads over the years and I prefer organic when possible because like I know the likes of Google, the likes of Facebook, yeah, they'll, yeah, you can do ads with them, 
but then yeah. your organic just disappears yeah. and then the cost per click kind of increases so which yeah. i mean that's a massive spend that you've experienced with mm -hmm. what have you learned with that well a lot of people don't understand how social media platforms work right this is how they work. We've seen the playbook many times, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, YouTube, Google. These companies, you need to understand how the business model works. They make money by advertising. So at the start, what they need is they need people to advertise to. So how do they do that? They give you a lot of reach organically. So you will come and use the platform. And then what happens is you have some creators that obviously understand how the organic reach works and they get a lot of big followings on the platform and they draw lots of people in. But ultimately the end goal is to drop that organic reach. So you have to pay for it. So that means that then these companies can then monetize and make money from advertising. And I think fundamentally people complain about, oh, the algorithms drops and they've built their business on the back of all this free organic content. But in reality, the real question is, and the real conversation you need to have is, you didn't actually understand the business model first, and you're on that platform for free as a user. Like, that's that's pretty damn good. You've got all, all this reach organically. So the responsibility lies with you to understand the end goal of that business and to understand that one day that organic reach is going to drop and you need to work out how to advertise. And anyone can do that. There's YouTube videos online, or you can hire other people if you've got the resources. But paid advertising is essentially a way to get reach a lot faster. So you essentially accelerate what you would do organically through paid advertising. Because let's take it to the extreme level. If you had enough money and money was no object, literally tomorrow you with billions of pounds could get on every single person's newsfeed on Facebook and Instagram. You could just literally pay for that reach. That's the power that paid advertising has. Now, obviously that isn't actually possible, right? Because no one's got limited resources. I wish we did, but that's not how the world works. You need to understand how to do marketing, how to get a good message out there, how to resonate that to get people to click to your website and then have a good product. So you need to understand economics you know, how much you're spending on your advertising. And obviously, is that giving you a good return investment on the back end? And I think a lot of people get into advertising and it's like a casino, right? You start spinning the roulette wheel and you start getting emotions involved and then you lose a lot of money. And just like in a casino, the house always wins. Facebook will always be willing to take your hard-earned money because that's how they make money as a platform. And by the way, they don't care about you as an advertiser. They've got millions of advertisers to pick from. So again, you need to take the responsibility into your own hands. And if you only rely on organic reach, you need to understand that one day that's going to drop because this is how these social media platforms work. And until the business model changes, this won't go away. So you need to diversify, but understand paid advertising is a core component of business. And, you know, when you're kind of bringing in leads, whether paid, just say we stick with the paid version, really, because there's a lot of different ways of doing that as well. You know, like you get the form, you get the video. Yeah. And then next, because you get some people that do like a seven stage process. Is yeah. It, what is your experience less is best 
or what's kind of the way to there's only two main things that matter with paid advertising in terms of two main things you need to understand and this is what all investors look at for businesses you've got lifetime value the amount of money that your customers spend with you over the course of the lifetime they're with your business and you've got how much it costs to acquire that customer right the cpa now if your lifetime value is greater than the cost it is to acquire that customer, you have got a healthy business. A good ratio is to have three to one. So lifetime value is three, cost to acquire customer is one. But if you have a 10x, 10 times lifetime value, what that means, because the way these platforms work is that auction systems. So to get into that person's newsfeed, the person that's willing to pay the highest amount will win that auction system. This is why big companies obviously outcompete small companies because they have more cash. But if you focus more on the lifetime value and think about ways through email marketing, selling different products, to increase the amount of money that you make from your customers over the course of three months to six months to a year, if you make, let's say, $100 in profit over the course of six months, you know that you can spend $20 to acquire that customer. Because even if you lose money, if you only make $15 when you acquire that customer, so you're at a $5 loss, as long as you don't run out of cash, within six months, you'll be profitable. So then you can just reinvest more back into the front end. And the more lifetime value you can increase on the back end, that means the more you can spend to acquire those customers, which means you can then outcompete your competitors in the auction system. And that means you can eat up more market share faster. With the copywriting then, because I like I you subscribe to Glazer Kennedy and uh, I liked reading Ted Nichols on copywriting and you know, just the way the titles are and everything. But what I see a lot of, and I know it's kind of been reported that it outperforms, but say 47 bucks, 97 bucks. Yeah. Kind of, as opposed to the 100 or 997 to 1,000. Like, yeah. what way, what's your thoughts on that? Is it something that that's just what works? What, in terms of the pricing? As in like the, the strategy of using, you know, seven at the end, you know, for the sake of three bucks. Oh, right charging a thousand bucks because some people like you know I've, I've got clients and they go no no i'll just stick it with the thing and then but yet you look at the statistics and they're saying it outperforms a lot more and i just curious um with your experience yeah yeah so they actually did an analysis of all the advertisers on meta you know meta being a new company that's the umbrella of facebook and instagram and what they wanted to find is what do the top one percent of advertisers do compared to all the rest to get the best results. And the results were quite astounding. What they found is the biggest differentiator between the top 1% advertisers on the whole of Meta, you know, 2.5 billion active users, is they test 11 times more. So when people online, they talk about, follow my 11-step process and you'll get these results. Cold email is the only way. Paid advertising is the only way. It's the only way is to advertise in $97. All of that's BS. The only way to have massive success in business and life is if you create your own playbook and you test. Sure, some of these strategies work, but you need to test yourself. 
And how you really create and drive innovation is if you're willing to test more than the other person. And that's ultimately what happens. So I do think that learning from other people is a way to get ahead because obviously you learn from their business failures. And that's why joining communities, paying for mentorship is a great way to get ahead. But ultimately, you need to have that testing mindset. You need to be that mad scientist in the kitchen and you, you need to split test and record your results because if you find something that works because of your testing framework that no one else is doing, now you have a competitive advantage. Whereas if you buy a course from someone and 10,000 people are all also implementing that strategy, you're going to have market saturation and you're not going to be able to outcompete these people. And you're going to have no moat for your business. The real way to get moat for your business and have a massive competitive advantage is if you relentlessly test, you record your results, you listen to feedback and you refine your offers. And then obviously you create your own playbook. Is there a kind of amount that you think, so for example, someone selling high-end stuff, you know, from 2K, 5K, yeah. kind of thing, and what amount of budget they would need to be doing monthly? Because I, I've come across people and they'd like, they think they'll do 10 bucks and they think, yeah, I'll get my leads and understand that and then I'll make changes. But the reality is you have to spend a lot of money to get proper kind of statistics to make change. Yeah. Because you're you're basically what you're paying for, because you can get org organically right, is paid advertising. So in business, let's strip everything back. What you're doing is you're solving a problem for a subsection of the market. And if your solution is valuable enough to the point where people are willing to trade their hard-earned cash for your solution, that's when you have product market fit. But to get to that point where you have product market fit, you need to get feedback and then iterate on your product or your service, right? And what paid advertising does is it spins that feedback wheel faster. So for example, if I had a product and let's just say it was a supplement product, I could go out onto the street today and get feedback from 10 people, right? I probably wouldn't be able to do much more than that. Maybe 100 people. Maybe if I was really hustling 200 people, right? If I had the cash with paid advertising, I could get feedback from 10,000 people. Now, what solution to this supplement or what product do you think is going to be better? If 10,000 people have given feedback or if 100 or 200 people are given feedback? And that's why paid advertising if you understand the economics behind it, gets you so far ahead so much faster. Because then within the same 24 hours, you can literally reach and get feedback from, like I said, 10,000 people. And then you can iterate and build a product which has such good market fit that then you can start charging more for it. And that's where you get the massive wins in business. Um. I, I see that, uh, you know, you were a quantity surveyor. I studied that. In, yeah. In, in yeah. Construction economics. Small job. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, I'm just curious because, you know, it was something for me. We had to learn everything off by heart, you know. I, and then when I came out of college, it was like there was computer systems that was doing it. But I, I think it makes you conscious of everything with the pricing. I think it would have been an advantage with the in the business world. Have you found that? What oh you mean understanding being quantity surveying because yeah like 
because you're conscious of every single thing. They count screws, they count nuts, they count the yeah. whole bang. Yeah. And, but in reality, you know, when when you do that in business, when you watch the pennies, mm-hmm. the pounds are looking after themselves. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, when I was at school, I hated maths, right? It wasn't enjoyable. But when I started seeing that paid advertising, really what you're doing is you're solving a maths problem. You're trying to figure out, like I said, the lifetime value and cost to acquire a customer. You're just trying to figure out the equation and see how it works out. And when you see, obviously, the outcome of understanding that maths problem is making shit tons of money, suddenly things become a lot more exciting. So I think if you're going to have success in business, you either need to understand how to do maths and how to track numbers on spreadsheets, or you need to partner with someone who understands that. If you don't, you will never, ever be able to build a successful business. So yeah, you need to track everything. And really, as they say, what gets measured is what gets managed. And with with the different um, social media at the moment, I mean, you know, we talked about LinkedIn, there's Facebook, there's Google. And there's TikTok, there's a gazillion of them. Yeah. It, it's like, is your experience that you do a few? Or because I see people, they mm. try to do everything and they don't really do anything. Yeah. Or do you do one and just dig deep and understand it thoroughly? What's yeah. what you're kind of. Depend, it depends on the resources you've got. If you're doing it all yourself, you should just do one platform. But to figure out which platform you do, you need to understand where your customers are. So for example, with LinkedIn, if you're trying to sell to salespeople, it's the best platform. There's a lot of B2B business on there. But if you're trying to sell a beauty product, for example, that's going to be better on Instagram, right? Because it's more of a lifestyle product. So I think being smart about which platform that you spend and invest all of your time in before you get started on one is even more important. And that's by having conversations in your community with your ideal customers and asking them, where do they spend their time? And then they'll connect with other people who are also your ideal customers who also tell you where they spend their time. And then you can go all in on one platform. But yes, I definitely recommend if you're stripped for resources, focus and build and understand and build that trust on one platform. And then you can start expanding to other platforms. Because the thing is, is let's say you figured out LinkedIn, you built an audience to 30,000 people. You've now built an asset of content, which you know resonates with your audience. So when you get started on another platform, not only will a lot of those audience follow you, but also you'll be able to just use your best content and then just repackage it and repurpose it in a different way that that platform uses that content. So now you can move a lot faster, but it was only by focusing and building it for one platform, because like I said, it takes a lot of time with that boomerang analogy to build that trust with people. So yes, figure out where your customers are and then go all in on one platform to the point and the indicator will be before you go to other platforms is when you go to networking events, like you said, Roy, are people knowing who you are? Are people coming to you? Are you getting people messaging you asking to jump on calls with you until that happens? You need to keep going on one platform. Excellent. And with like say LinkedIn, and I presume it's kind of similar with Facebook. There's 
a follow or does it connect? And like a lot of people would follow me and stuff. And then there's others connecting. And I used to just accept everybody for connecting. But then there's so many podcast promoters that they just wreck your head and they just start bombarding you with messages. Like, what's your kind of take on that? Like, should you just connect with everybody and then just remove the kind of people that just want to, they don't understand no? Or is it better to try to stick to have just the followers? Yeah, I think the content's the foundation because the content is obviously if you're being consistent with the message you're putting out there, you will get a lot of people following. And that's where the big outsized return comes. Like you can only reach if you do cold outbound and send DMs every day. You can only reach, I think, LinkedIn, you can send, is it like 100 connections a week, I think? So it's a very limited amount of potential. If you get a post which goes viral, you can reach a million people and then everyone reaches out to you. So now you have leverage on those relationships because you're the trusted influence. So I think the con the content is the foundation to everything. And then everyone will ask to connect with you. And then obviously you can connect and accept who you want, but what you need to understand of LinkedIn, and this is somewhere, something where I went a little bit wrong is if you start connecting with everyone, what happens is, your content that then gets pushed out to the wrong people. So a really good metric to focus on, and there's this guy in Manchester called Lewis Kemp who talked to me about this, and it really helped me understand it better, is don't just look at the amount of followers you've got. Look at the amount of revenue per follower. So divide the revenue you have by all the followers and see how much revenue you have per follower. Because there's lots of people who might only have 5,000 followers, but they've got like $50 in revenue per follower compared to someone who has 100,000 followers pushing out content to people who would never buy their product or service. And they've got a really small revenue per follower. And sure, they've got this big ego boost of a big following, but in reality, they're not making any money. So I think important to connect with the right people, but it all comes back to that content and making sure you're being consistent and you're pushing in the right direction. Finally, with your, uh, you know, the newsletter, you might, what, what exactly you're covering in that? And then how can people help you to make it grow? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, David to Goliath, the reason why David beat Goliath is because he had that belief transferred to him. And with a slingshot and a few pebbles, he had the self-belief to go and conquer and defeat the giant, you know, a task which at the time seemed impossible. That's why it's the greatest underdog story ever told. And I, like I said, was thinking about taking my own life a few months ago. And I had someone who believed in me unconditionally, which made me able to conquer my self-doubt to go and build these businesses. So now I'm rebuilding in public, building a 100,000 person community in 2024 in a newsletter to pass on that self-belief to other people conquering their self-doubt. So it might be entrepreneurs, but it might just be other people who have those inner demons in their head that want to achieve more in life. And me, by documenting my journey, every Tuesday, I talk about how I'm building this community and sharing not just the good, but also the bad and the damn right ugly. And then on Thursdays, I'm interviewing some of the best leaders of our generation, some of the best underdog stories. So we just interviewed Sean Riley that took his company, Dude Wipes, from naught to 100 million in six years selling wet wipes. 
he made toilet paper sexy. So what's your excuse? And every Thursday, we bring those interviews and every single newsletter is like a work of art, man. They take 50 hours to put together these newsletters. We create comics and stories around them and they're really deep. And we're doing that because we are pushing that boomerang because we know our message is so important to inspire people that are about to give up on life, to keep going and believe in themselves that great things are possible by taking that leap of faith and jumping into the unknown. Just how I've quit my you know, comfortable job as CEO of Alpha Inbound, having a six-figure salary with not that much savings in the bank account to just go and build this thing because I need to show other people that not only am I spreading this message, I'm taking relentless action. And even though I have doubt, I have doubts that I'll be able to build this newsletter to 100,000 people in 2024, I'm daring greatly and I'm documenting in the pain and in the struggle to inspire other people to go and do the same. So davidtogolive.com is the domain where you can subscribe for free, by the way. We're putting the best free content out in the game. And it's also Nigel Thomas on LinkedIn. If you want to reach out and connect to me, let's have a conversation about where you're going in life. So my message to you, the listener, is this. Keep dreaming like a giant, but fight and believe in your dreams like a goddamn underdog, baby. I'll put the link spot on the audio and the video. Thank you very much. I appreciate Nick. it, my man. No problem. So that's all for the speaking podcast. Until next week, take care.